Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, we are going to have a fantastic time uh, together this evening in the presence of the Lord. Who's excited about the Word of God? Who's excited to worship God tonight? Yeah, amen. Well, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we are all happy to be back. Um, let's see, uh, the Samples family, how, some of us are back, some are still in Indiana, but we were out there for a, a whole week doing a high school graduation and all that, and it was wonderful. I like it there, but I love it right here. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> You know, there's all this nasty trees and grass and rivers and wild. It was disgusting. I mean, it was just so ugly, but I was glad to get back to my dirt. So thank you, Jesus, for the dirt. Amen. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus. All right. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Yeah. And you may be seated. All right, yeah. Well, hey, I want to also, uh, speaking of being back, want to thank a lot of people that helped out while we were gone. Desiree preached on Sunday, did a great job, amen. And then Lawrence did Sunday night, Chuck did last Wednesday, and Cletus did the men's meeting for us. And so we appreciate all those guys handling the preaching and teaching. And, of course, everyone else who covered all the other areas, you guys are incredible. All right, let's do a few announcements here. We don't have as much in the month of June, which is kind of nice because we've been hitting it heavy uh, for several months in a row. So June is a little bit more uh, chilled out on some of the events, but that's okay. But there is a big one coming and who knows what it is. There it is on the screen. What is it? Father's Day, everybody. Who thinks that Father's Day is easily in the top 20 holidays of the whole year? Top 20. Can we agree on that? Okay, amen. I'm not going to go top five, you know, but hey, top 20, it's right up there. And, you know, at, at HDWC, we have kicked off a tremendous Father's Day tradition that I think is just incredible. And what we do every Father's Day, one, every dad gets a gift. That's a pretty good deal. But also, we like to uh, bless the church family with the absolute cringiest dad jokes known to man. They are, they're terrible, and they're not funny, but you all give us a big courtesy laugh every year. So the dad jokes are coming again for the third or fourth year in a row. Who's excited about dad jokes? No. That extremely weak response was entirely appropriate. They're going to be bad. So I just, good job, guys. I, I appreciate that right there. And another thing we just want to uh, put out there is the Honduras trip is coming up uh, the 15th 
through the 25th. And I know that most of you guys in here are not going, some are, but I just want to keep us in remembrance to pray for the team while they're down there. This is the longest missions trip that we've ever taken, and uh, that's going to be a full 10 days for most of the team. And uh, they're down there uh, helping out Ron and Annette Thiesen at the ministry, and we want to keep them in prayer and believe that it's going to be a completely successful trip, anointed, powerful, and that they are safe in the name of Jesus. And they're coming back to us with some awesome testimonies. Who's in agreement that that's going to happen? Amen. All right. Well, that's all we've got for right now. So I'm going to go ahead and have pastor come on up and do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Amen. All right. And uh, if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. And since my brother Josh decided to stay a few extra days in Indiana, I'll be filling in for him tonight as well, playing guitar. So apologies in advance, people. All right. Hallelujah. What a great church we have here. This is such a great, great, wonderful place to be. Amen. And amen, amen, amen. Well, if you need an envelope for your tithes, your office, raise up your hand. And the ushers be glad to give you one. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6. How many like to always have more than enough? Amen. How many like that uh, for God to rebuke the devourer for your sakes? Well, of course, that's a benefit for tithers, but I want you to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6. It says, for in Jesus Christ, and that means being born again, but Jesus lives in you, and you live in Jesus, live for Jesus. He says, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. And Paul, Paul was a born-again Jew. He was talking to Jewish people, and under the old covenant, circumcision is what it took to get in favor with God. You had to be a circumcised man to be in favor with God. But he says now, as New Testament Christians, circumcision doesn't matter at all. But he says, what does matter is this, faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. I learned off Brother Hagin a long time ago. Brother Hagin said, if you're a Christian and you're living by faith, which means you hear the word of God, you talk the word of God, you act on the word of God and said that you're not getting results with your life. He said, the first thing I would check would be my love walk. And when you read first Corinthians 13, it says that love is greater than faith because faith can't work without love. And so if, if your faith is not producing in the financial arena, particularly what needs to be done, that the first thing you do is check your love walk. And you know, I, I, I think about on a car, how many have ever seen your car, you got warning lights? If the oil starts getting low, a light comes on. If your star cuts, car starts overheating, a light comes on. Or any, 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 any different things that happen, the light lights up. you got a low tire on modern cars, the light comes on, low tire. And so if your faith is not working, you got warning lights on. Something, something's trying to talk to you on the inside. And the first thing I would check if my warning light came on, that my faith is not doing what the Bible says to do, I'd stop first of all, and I wouldn't check the oil level. I wouldn't check the water level. I'd check my love life. I just want to read you a couple things out of 1 Corinthians 13. How many have ever read 1 Corinthians 13? We call it the love chapter. And listen to this here. And if this is speaking to you, then make some changes and adjustments because you have tithers' rights. God does want to rebuke the devourer. The windows of heaven are open, and the one that keeps them open is you. 
But First Corinthians chapter 13, the Amplified Bible, talks about your love like it says that God's love in your life does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Are you a selfish person? Always trying to bully your way through? Always going to have your own way? And a couple other things here that, that, I, that I always think about is this. It says that love is ever ready to be the best of every person. Amen. Ever ready to be the best of every person. So many Christians, it seems, are just hoping that a fellow Christian will fail. They see them not doing good in life. They think they're acting wrong, and they're just hoping they fail. So they can tell them, I told you so. But it says, the love of God in your heart, God doesn't say, I told you so. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'll back you up. I'm with you. He says, I got your back. And so as a Christian, just do a checkup now as you're looking at your life. If you're having troubles in life and your faith's not working, are you ever able to be the best or the worst about fellow Christians? And then, then it also says that, that God's love in us, and they're talking about, we're talking about faith works by love, says takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You keep bringing up the past. In husbands and wives, it's so easy to bring up the past. In parent-children things, it's so easy to bring up the past all the time and beat them over the head. But he says that you take no account of the evil done to it. You're ever ready to believe the best. And so we as believers, if we're going to see God work in our financial life like we want him to, we've got to remember that the number one thing to check if it's not working is how's your love life. Amen. And I just suggest that you read First Corinthians chapter 13 some. And look at some of those things, do, and then do a checkup and make some adjustments if necessary because I guarantee the Word of God works when you work the Word. Amen. And so our, our part, our part is to be tithers, be givers, but at the same time, we're supposed to be lovers first. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And then we'll bring our tithes and offers to the altar and step here and worship if you'd like to. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take good care of my family, get drifted in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. I'll sing and I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me.
been good to anybody tonight yeah hey it's always a good time to shout some praise to the lord amen because i know this much he has been really really good to us amen but we're going to worship the lord for a few more minutes here tonight
just worship you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your great and awesome love, Father. You love us unconditionally, Lord, even when we never, ever even deserved it, Father God. You loved us, Lord. You gave your life for us, Father God, so that we could be born again, so that we could live an eternity with you, Father. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful, Father. We worship you, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We're grateful. We thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Amen, amen. You may be seated. All right, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise as we sit down tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm excited to get into the Word of God together tonight. Man, isn't Wednesday night just like Wednesday night service? There's just something different about that, isn't there? When you come in and, man, you've been out there in the world all week dealing with their attitudes and their stuff, and you can come in and get a midweek refreshment, get a little pick-me-up so you can finish this thing out. I love it, man. I was born and raised on Wednesday night services and Sunday night services. Well, even actually Saturday services and uh, three Sunday services, too. I was raised on a lot of church, you know? Hey, amen. (laughs) But I love it. I love being in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Well, the title tonight is this. It's called Don't Be an Easy Target. Don't be an easy 
target. And, uh, you know, this is kind of, I preach along these lines usually at the beginning of each summer because it seems to be a time that people start to, well, become an easy target. And we're going to discuss a few ways tonight how you can avoid that and stay strong throughout the summer months. So, who knows this much that spiritually speaking, there is warfare going on. You know that, right? That not everybody, not everybody and everything just loves you and is rooting for your success. There are forces aligned against you. And uh, the Bible tells us that they are unseen forces. And the thing is, is that most Christians, most people, they are trying to fight the seen world. And so they'll, they'll wage war against other people. They'll wage war against all sorts of different things. But the truth of the matter is there is a spiritual warfare. And it is super important that as Christians in 2023, you are alert and awake and you are in the fight because whether you like it or not, hey, it's here. Amen. And so it's really important for us to get this. And, and, and one thing I know is that, we, you know, we, we use this analogy that we are in the army of God. We are in God's army. And I also know this much. I, I you know, I've watched a lot of History Channel. What can I say? And I, I've learned this, that an isolated soldier is a very easy target. An isolated soldier is a very easy topic. Now, why would I say that? Why would I bring that out? Well, well, for this reason, the season of summer is usually a time to take a deep breath and relax. And I'm telling you that that is a terrific idea, physically speaking. I hope everybody in here gets a wonderful vacation sometime this summer, and you get to take a little time off and relax and rest your body and get some strength, amen, and get get a, a, a mental uh, refreshment. This past week in Indiana, my brother lives way out in the country, and I noticed about a quarter mile up the road, down the, through the cornfields at, at his property, there's a little wooden bridge going over the road, and I saw some animals down there, and I said... That's where I'm going to be every morning. Amen. I love, love nature. So I'd get up, get my Bible, 5 or 6 a.m., hike down there. Man, I saw some turtles. I saw some raccoons. I saw some groundhogs. I saw some fish. And I'm totally boring all of you right now, so I'll shut up. But here's the thing. What this type of thing, do, I, know what, I know what recharges me. This isn't the topic of the sermon, but you need to find out what recharges your batteries also. Amen. You need to find out. For some people, they want to go to Disneyland or New York City and be surrounded by 8 million people. And hey, good for you. I'm not like that. I need to be alone and away from people for a little while. And it recharges the batteries. And so I pray that everybody in this church gets a chance to do that this summer and physically and mentally recharge. But what I pray most of all is that spiritually speaking, you take no vacation whatsoever. Well, why would you say that? Because I know, and you've heard me say it a thousand times, the devil don't take no vacations. And while you decide, yeah, well, we don't really, you know, well, let's take a few, I'm, I'm going to take a little break. I don't need to, do I need to read the Bible every day? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do I need to hear the word every day? Yes, you do. Do I need to go to church every week, even throughout the summer? Brother, sister, yes, you do. 
Amen. Because just the time that you begin to, to, to back off and let go, what happens? The rest of the army is still advancing. I, everyone else, we're still marching forward. And guess what? When everybody else pulls ahead and you're left by yourself, you are an isolated target and you are easy pickings for the enemy. Does that make any sense to anybody tonight? I was listening to Dr. Mark Barclay, a lot of, most of you are very familiar with him, uh, preach, and, and he was talking about, in Vietnam, he was a Marine and he was a sniper, and he said one of his main jobs as a sniper in Vietnam was he would have a whole bunch of other guys go and create a distraction, and a bunch of the enemy soldiers would, would go and race to that distraction, and then they'd have a couple of easy, isolated targets that got left behind, boom, boom. They're gone. And it was, it, it was easy work for them. And I'm trying to tell you tonight, some people, God bless their hearts, make themselves an easy target. And then they wonder how it happened. Why God would let this happen? Why did this happen to me? Well, you, you, you took a break. You separated yourself from where you were supposed to be. And we know this much that God will never leave us. Who knows that tonight? He said it. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Matthew 28, he said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. But I also know this much, that some people, whether they know it or not, they kind of let go and begin to create a little separation between them and God. God. God didn't leave them, but slowly but surely, some people begin to let go of God a little bit. And in the shelter of the Most High, Psalm 91, you are promised protection from the enemy, you are promised protection from the pestilence and the disease and the terrors of the night if you are in the shelter. I imagine just this circle. If I'm in the circle where I belong, hey, I've got promises from God to protect me. If I step outside of the circle, I am no longer in the shelter of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty, and I have put myself in my own Protection is my own responsibility at this point. And in that place, I do not have the same promises from God as I have if I remain connected to Jesus, like I'm supposed to remain connected. Can we uh, look at Ephesians 6 and verse 12 tonight? Ephesians 6 and verse 12, and we're going to be in the NLT. Ephesians 6, verse 12, NLT. And a lot of you guys, uh, if you're familiar with scripture, you know that this is where the armor of God is found. And it's really important for you to know this stuff. We're going to look at verse 12 here. Amen. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. And so for those that would say, I don't know if I believe in spiritual warfare, an unseen enemy, you know, uh, 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 demons and, and demonic forces. Well, it's okay if you don't believe in them, but they believe in you. <laughs> and they know that if you are ignorant of the word of God, that, hey, they, they know how to get that. So Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Now let's check out what it says here. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, for some of you, that is a groundbreaking revelation because you fight against people all day, every day, and you always lose. Why? Because you're not promised any victory right there. But check this out. 
what are we fighting against? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. It doesn't stop there. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so... Just like they always said on reading rainbow, you don't have to take my word for it. You can look at it right in the book right here. Amen. It tells you that you're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against an unseen enemy. And again, the title tonight is this. Don't be an easy target. We're going to look at a few ways. And of course, as I always say, uh, there's probably a lot more ways we could add to this list. But this is the hour of power, not the three hours of power. So we'll just get into a few tonight. Amen. Three ways that you can help yourself to not be an easy target. Number one, throughout the whole every day of your life, specifically talking about the summer months right now. Number one, stay in the word. We should hear more excitement for the word at a spirit-filled church that literally has word in the name of the church. I said, stay in the word of God. All right, the kids are going. Amen. So let's look at John 15, verses 5 through 7. John 15, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. What better person to discuss the word than the word himself? So John 15 and we, Jesus is the word. Do you know that? Literally, Jesus is the word. When you're spending time with the word of God, you're literally spending time with Jesus Christ himself. John 1 verse 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. And so whenever I tell somebody, hey, I got to spend some time with Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk to him, but you better know that I'm also talking about I'm going to be reading the Bible. And that's spending time with Jesus. And so John 15, and in John 15, you have the seventh time that Jesus referred to himself as I am. And this one is when he says, I am the vine. But we're going to go down to John 15 and look at verses 5 through 7. And Jesus says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me. And I and them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, okay, quiz time, all right? You're like, well, summer's out, or school's out. No, 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 quiz time. How much can you do apart from Jesus? Nothing at all. Nothing worthwhile anyway. And so Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything at all. So why are you even messing with this? Look at verse 7. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, I know this, that growing up, we also had a burn pile. We lived out in the country and we, we burned a lot of stuff. I'm, you know, uh, probably some things that I, I shouldn't have thrown into that fire, but I've burned some things and blown some things up out in the country. And, and so we would, all the useless things that we didn't mean, we burned couches, we burned all sorts of stuff, but if it was useless and it didn't serve a purpose anymore, we just made a big old pile out in the yard and we burned it and blew the whole thing up. And, and so Jesus says, Hey, if you're useless, we got to throw you in the burn pile. You're no good. And that sounds like such a harsh, 
harsh thing to say. But I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Now look at verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words, talking about the word of God, the Bible, remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Who would, I mean, this is a, not even a trick question. Who in here would like to ask God for anything you want and it be granted to you? Wow. Yeah, come on. No, 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 no. Quit playing games with my heart. Listen, if you would like to ask God for anything and it be granted, you should raise your hand right now. Amen. Listen, this is an open book test. I'm telling you exactly how that can actually happen in your life. If you remain in him and let his words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want. No, no, no. God doesn't care about you having what you want. He only cares about you having what you need. God does not care about wants. He only cares about needs. Who in here has heard a pile of trash like that before? Somebody said something dumb like that to you. That's wrong. Listen, yes, God, of course, wants your needs met, but scripture tells us that he wants you to have your wants and your desires granted. Yeah, well, what if I want something dumb? Well, listen, if you remain in him and his word remains in you, you're not going to want ungodly things. It's simple. If you want something ungodly and unholy, you're not going to get it. And the reason is clearly the word of God is not remaining in you and you are not remaining in the word of God. The more time I spend in the word and the more I remain attached to the vine, the less and less of ungodly things I desire and the more and more godly things I do want and the more answers to prayer I get, the more blessings I get, the more desires of my heart I get. Psalm 37, 4 says what? Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Now, there's a lot of Christians that they want, well, at least they say they want to do a lot of things for God. Now, hear me out. Again, I'm not being mean. I'm just speaking what Jesus said. There's a lot of people that want great things in life. They even have some level of desire to be used by God, but they are basically useless. Now, we didn't say that they're worthless. Everybody's got worth in the eyes of God, but some people are useless in the kingdom of God. And that's according to verse six right there. John 15, six, anyone that won't remain in me, they're useless. They're thrown into the burn pile. That's not mean. That's the truth. And so my desire as a Christian is not to just accumulate as many things. I don't need the biggest house, the biggest cars and trucks, the fanciest clothes. I, I, I just, the more I spend time with God, the less and less desire I have to impress people with my possessions. But I have found this out. The more and more I strongly desire God before I take my last breath, I want to have done some really great things for you. I don't want my tombstone to say, here lies this man that had the biggest, the greatest truck, an 85-inch flat-screen plasma TV in the entire high desert. I'm sorry if I'm a little ramped up tonight. I haven't preached in two weeks. And that just, 
you know, I'm sorry. I had Ray Bench in, then I was gone for a week. I'm preaching two weeks, so you're getting it all tonight. But listen, when I die, it will be a shame and a slap in the face to God if the best thing you can say about me is I had a great house, fancy clothes, a whole bunch of money, a big old truck, car, toy, whatever. But I literally did nothing for the kingdom of God. Don't, no, no, no. I refuse to die that way. Oh, I'm looking, uh, I won't say that, but I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Amen. And when I get there, I know this much, that I will answer to God for my life. And you're like, I thought we were talking about summer and not taking a break. That is what we're talking about. It starts right here. If you can't take one day at a time seriously in your relationship with God, if you can't take one little season at a time seriously, you're not going to be used by God. Remain in me and let my words remain in you. And you can ask me for anything you want and it'll be granted unto you. That's what Jesus said. And my greatest desire, and I know that I could speak for so many people in here too, that your greatest desire, it's not to be famous or make a name for yourself. It's to make the name of Jesus famous and to point people to him. Jesus said, if I would be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. My desire is to lift Jesus up to make his name great and draw all men unto Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Wow. I got to get back to these notes here. We're just not getting anywhere. All right. So one thing that Smith Wigglesworth said, you know, great preacher the in the last century, he said, most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and one cold snack a week. And what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is this, is that you are not going to be spiritually healthy if you only eat once a week. And the only time that you eat is when one of us is spoon feeding it to you. That's super important that you're here to get that bread. You got to do that. And I'll explain that more later. But if the only time that you eat is on Sundays for one hour, and then you literally go an entire seven more days without eating, do you think you're going to have strength and be healthy? No. I mean, imagine that. The only time you eat Physical food is once a week and you're like, oh, well, Sunday's coming up. It's eating time again. Wow. Okay. You know, go in there. Give me a, give me a bag of Fritos and a Capri Sun. Give me a little snack. Then, all right, we'll eat again next Sunday. You're not going to be, you'll be skinny, <laughs> but you're not going to be healthy. And the truth of the matter is so many Christians, they only eat one time a week and they wonder why they don't have the strength and the muscles to go out there on the battlefield and kick the devils behind. Listen, it's not a mystery. This isn't, it's really not even complicated. You gotta, you gotta take it more seriously than that. You gotta eat daily and it's gotta be good food. And so most people I know spend hours each day on their phone and maybe a few minutes with the Bible. And I know this. Uh, I mean, I've been all over the world, and so have you. You've been everywhere, and you know it. That it's a sad thing. And, I, and you know, I'm not going off. I, I mean, I, I know I'm, I sound like an old man, and that's okay. <laughs> but it's the truth. 
It's the truth, man. I think one of the absolute worst disservices that we have is our modern day social media. And I'm on there and we reach a lot of people on the internet. I can tell, I was just talking to Chuck about that, man. We reach a lot of people from this church through social media and I thank God for it. But honestly, you know, it's, it is a travesty that, you know, I, I, I talk to young people and old people. And if they're going to be honest, how many hours of TikTok do you watch in a day? And I can get anywhere from three to sometimes ten hours. How many minutes do you spend with the Bible each day? And it's not even three to ten minutes. And I know this much also, that in Matthew 12, 34, let's just get on, get down in here for a minute. I don't know if we're going to hit points two and three or not, but we'll see, all right? Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so what does that mean? It means whatever's on your heart is going to come out of your mouth. It's just like a sponge. Maybe you see like a green sponge sitting there and you don't know it, but on the inside is a bunch of red Kool-Aid that somehow got in there. You don't know what's in there until it's squeezed and there's some pressure. Then what's on the inside comes out. And you don't know how dangerous it is to neglect the word of God and the things of God until something comes and squeezes you and then TikTok comes out of your mouth or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, whatever. And it comes out and, and, and you're like, whoa, whoa, wow. Um, where did that come from? Listen, whatever's in there will come out of the mouth. And the bad news is, is that in the heat of the battle, when the enemy attacks and absolutely drops an atomic bomb on your marriage or on your house or your family, the first words out of your mouth are imperative to how you're going to win this battle. If the first words out are, well, oh my gosh, the struggle is real. That's not what should come out. And, and that, that's on the better side of things that, that could come out of your mouth. But the first thing that should come out of our mouth when squeezed or when the enemy attacks should be what? It should be the Bible. It should be words of faith. It should be, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The devil tries to smack your family. No! As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Someone should say amen tonight, right now. Amen? And so, what's in comes out. That's why Jesus said, you've got to remain in me. You will get nothing done in this life. If you don't stay connected, you got to remain in my word and my word, it has to remain in you. And then when the enemy attacks, because he will, the word of God will come out. And referring back to Ephesians 6, it tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It lists all of this uh, warfare, all the gear that you need, you know, the, your shield of faith, all these wonderful things. It gives you one offensive weapon. You could also go into the next verse and say he's praying also. Anyway, but it lists one offensive weapon and it's the word of God. You gotta know how to use it. And if you are not familiar with your weapon, you're gonna do very poorly on the battlefield. When my brother was in Marine Corps boot camp, they take their rifle apart and disassemble it and put it back together blindfolded. They know their rifle so well 
that if the enemy attacks, they don't have to, oh my gosh, wait, how do we use this thing? What do we do here? Uh, which way's up? Which way's down? No, they know. They know exactly what to do. And a Christian that has spent time in the word of God, when the enemy attacks, they don't have to say, wait a minute, what, uh, what was that verse? Is there a verse on this particular thing? No, they know exactly where it's at. And they come firing it out of their mouth at full speed. They hit the enemy and they win. Amen? Remain in the word if you're not going to be an easy target. Let's go to point number two here. Amen? Number two. And it's this. Stay in the house of God. Number one, stay in the word of God. Number two, stay in the house of God. And I, I, I mean, you're here, you get this, but you understand how important church actually is, right? You get that. It, this isn't, for, for the people in this room, this isn't just some hobby that we have. This isn't just something that we do. This isn't a place that we go because we're bored and there's nothing else to do in Barstow. We come to church <laughs> because we know we meet God at this altar. Amen. We draw strength from hearing the word of God preached. We draw strength from being around the family. We present our holy tithe to God in this place. Amen. Our children learn about God. This isn't just a hobby or a, or some phase that we're going through. I mean, for the people in this room, this is our life. And I don't regret it. And I stand by this. Amen. And I know you guys do too. And, 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 and so... We've got to get this though. And, and the, and the times that it would seem like, man, it'd just be real easy to kind of chill out for a minute here. No. These are the times that we take it even more serious than we ever have before. Hebrews 10.25. Let's flip over there. Hebrews 10.25. Are we glad we came to church tonight? Hebrews 10. And verse 25, and uh, this was our theme verse, I think in 2018 or something like that. But anyway, Hebrews 10, verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so... I know that church has always been important. You know that, right? It's always. I mean, it was important in the 1800s. It was important in the 1500s. It was important the day that this was written, way back then, 2,000 years ago. But it's this last sentence that really gets me. It says, it's really important, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so, would you say that in the end times, gathering together at church is even more important than ever? Amen. And it doesn't matter if we say it or not, because the Bible says it. It says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You need to be with the rest of the family. You need to be with the rest of the troops. And as we said earlier on, nothing is easier to pick off than a soldier who's standing a mile away from the rest of the soldiers. And when you're in church... 
You're not not only drawing off of the strength of the word of God that's being preached from the pastor or whatnot, but you're also drawing strength from the rest of the church family. Don't, don't overlook how important that is. And, and, and as a mature Christian and a good church member, when you come to church, you're coming to receive, but you're also coming to give. You should be encouraging the people around you. You've got something to give. And the New Testament says every joint supplies. Every one of us is a joint in the body of Christ. And we contribute something. We all contribute something. And so when you come into church, you need to talk to other people, to be honest with you. If you just want to get flat out about it. You know, and I get that not everybody is just an outgoing personality. By nature, I am not. Now, I have forced myself to be that, and now I love it. And and it's great, but I'm only that way at church. I'm not that way anywhere else. <laughs> but at church, I'm very outgoing. And so, listen, when you come into church, that doesn't mean that you need to, you got you know, you got to run the rows and high-five everybody, but that would be really cool if you did. But you should talk to other people. Well, that doesn't do anything for me. It's not for you. It's for them, selfish. Yeah. You need to talk to other people and encourage them. If you only come for you, that's one reason. But you should also, there's a multitude of reasons. But in that list is so you can bless and encourage the other people around here. And you know, so many times I'll I'll finally get to text somebody. I've been meaning to all week. Finally, by Thursday, I'm like, okay, let's text Maxine to see how she's doing it. And, and she's like, I'm good. Sabrina already talked to me a couple days ago, really encouraged me and built me up. And I'm doing great. And I'm like, thank God. Because when we all do little things like that, we're taking care of each other. And it's not all on the pastor. It's not all on, you know, someone else. We're helping each other out. Amen. And so... Throughout the summer months, throughout any months, don't neglect the house of God. It's not only so you can hear the word, because then people could say, I'll just watch online, I can hear the sermon there. That is a factual statement. I, I'm telling you. We got people that watch from all, you know, New York, Dallas, Indianapolis, all over the country and even other other countries. And that's great. And I But I encourage them, like, hey, listen to us, preach if you want to, and I, and I appreciate it. But find a local church there where you can gather with other Christians. Because you can only get so much through just hearing the word. That's only part of going to church. It's a big part, but it's only one part. Another part is the fellowship. This guy right here, Ernest. When COVID happened, we just, we've only known him a year, but literally, and, and I'm not making this up. He wanted to attend church and service so bad, he lives in Victorville, okay? He couldn't find a church. He didn't know we were open or else we could have saved him a lot of time. But the man was driving three and a half, four hours one way every Sunday to Arizona so he could gather with other Christians. The man did eight hours every Sunday just because he knew that he needed to be surrounded by other Christians, especially at one of the worst moments that we've been through. And we've got people four minutes around here 
They can't find the time in their busy schedule. Am I pleading for church attendance? Absolutely not. We got the best attendance we've ever had. But it's not about that. What are we pleading for? We're pleading for Christians to take God seriously. And I've seen too many people let go a little bit. And, and, and here's what the devil does. He gives you a little bit of rope. Like, you think he's going to smack you the second you step out of the shelter of the Most High? No. He's going to wait till you're a little ways off. You're like, oh, wait, I'm good. I, we're doing fine. We, we've been out for, and, and nothing's happened. He's going to wait till you're a little ways out there and then get you. Well, how do you know that? Listen, man, I'm, I've been around this a very long time. And I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. And you people in this room have seen this as well, haven't you? Where somebody gets a false sense of security and think, you know what? I'm actually doing even better than when we were going to church all the time. Give it time. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait. Oh, boom. Atomic bomb. Happens every single time without fail. And so don't neglect meeting together like some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And there seems to be an attack by some modern day Christians defending their choice to not go to church, right? It's full of hypocrites. Why would I go there? Well, I've heard this said, the gym's full of fat people, but... (laughs) They're there because they need help. The hypocrites are here and they are here. And here's one. Why? Because I need help. I'm messed up sometimes. I'm not at church because I'm perfect and have it all together. I'm here because I need the grace of God and the help of God and the fellowship of other Christians. And so that excuse just doesn't fly. That church is full of hypocrites and imperfect people. Absolutely, a hundred percent it is. And this church is not perfect. But we know that. Well, you know, and, and, and we don't say that we are. And if you're, and, and, and if you do find the perfect church, <laughs> listen, don't go there because you'll ruin it because you're not perfect. You'll break their perfect streak, right? <laughs> you'll make it imperfect with your imperfections. So, Anyway, let's just, let's get real about it. So, amen. I am so far off of where I'm supposed to be tonight. I'm not probably going to make it to number three, but number three was good. I'm going to finish on this a little bit for a few minutes here. But, you know, uh, (laughs) one of the saddest things, though, that we see oftentimes is this, is someone come to Jesus when their life is in shambles. And then they make this promise. And I taught on this a few Wednesday nights ago in a sermon called Lessons from Blind Bart. But people make this promise to Jesus when they're in a very bad emergency situations. If you get me through this one, if you'll give me what I want this time, I promise to serve you. I promise come to church. I promise to read the Bible. I promise to pray. I promise if you'll just do this for me, get me out of this big one, I will follow you. And in my life, I've never seen somebody keep that promise. If you don't already love Jesus, if you don't already want to serve him before this type of a situation, him giving you a miracle and a bailout 
will not change your heart. It'll change your situation, but it won't change your heart. And if the only way that we'll obey God is if he gives us everything we want, I've said this, we have other words for that. I won't repeat them this evening. But there are words for that. If you only obey, if you get what you want, that is not a very wise way to serve the Lord. Now, we already know we've got promises from the word that he will give us what we want if we're remaining in him and his word is remaining in us. And in fact, first John even tells us that we can ask for anything and he'll, and, and he'll give it to us if it's according to his will. And we know that if we're in line with the word, it's going to be according to his will. But the saddest things that I see are so many broken promises of do what I want and I'll serve you. And they never, ever stick with it. And, uh, you know, let's just say this, that God shouldn't be your sugar daddy who you run to when you need a quick favor. He should be your father whom you love and submit to no matter what. And so I'll say this also. Quit serving God on your terms and start serving him on his terms. Well, what are his terms? The Bible. It's right here. Just read it and then you'll know what his terms are. And so I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. And again, we just preached on that, especially for one specific verse. Let's look at that. Mark 10, 52. This is my favorite verse in the story of blind Bartimaeus because... This is what so many people don't get. So many people focus on the miracle in the story. And the miracle was great. Who knows that if you were born blind and then you called on the name of Jesus and he healed you, that would be a very good day, wouldn't it? That'd be a great day. But Mark chapter 10. In verse 52, and so we have the healing, we have the miracle, we have Jesus doing uh, the impossible, and that is a great part of the story. But in my humble opinion, it's not the most incredible part of the story. Because I've seen a lot of people receive miracle healings. I've seen a lot of people receive miracle breakthroughs. But what I haven't seen is a lot of people do this. Mark 10, verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and here it is, and he followed Jesus down the road. He literally got his healing miracle, had his entire life changed, and then on top of it all, he followed Jesus down the road. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I got to stick with this guy. I know what I was like before he touched me. And I don't ever want to go back to that. I'm going to stick with Jesus and follow him down the road. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound that miraculous. Oh, it's miraculous. That, that It's beautiful. It's incredible. Because so many people, they get what they want out of him and then they ditch him. Or they're like, and, and, and I'll tell you this. If you were to ask 10 out of 10 people, 11 out of 10 people, Get what they want and then let go. Quit taking God seriously. Quit coming to church. Quit whatever. Quit serving God. 10 out of 10. 100% of the time, if you ask them, 
man, why did you quit serving God? Oh, no, 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 I didn't quit, no, <laughs> I didn't quit serving God. No, no, me and God, we go, wait, no, we're, we're good. Me and God are good. I mean, I don't like, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to, you know, I don't read the Bible every day, but me and God, we've worked out our own thing. We've got our own vibe going on. And I'll tell you, man, no, you don't. <laughs> I feel so mean tonight, but I don't mean it mean. I mean it in love. That no, you don't. God didn't hold the rest of us. Everybody else in this room, all right? Everybody else here, you know that you're required to live by this book, right? You didn't get an additional covenant. You didn't get an extra contract that none of the rest of us got because you're just so beautiful and talented and smart that God was like, no, everybody else, they got to stick to this, but I like you. We got an extra deal over here. You don't have to obey any of this like the rest of those losers. You got to, you can do your own thing over here and we'll just have our own little agreement over here. That's called deception. And it's an ugly thing. And when someone's deceived, what happens? They become isolated and they're once again an easy target for the enemy. And so I don't, I'll, I'll go ahead and start winding down here tonight, but you know, it's so important that as we head into these summer months, come fall, come September, I want to see every single marriage still intact, every family still intact, every individual still intact, serving God better than they ever have before. Amen. Because you had a great summer, you took a great vacation, maybe you went to the beach or the mountains or Disney, whatever you want to do, I'm a thousand million percent for it. I hope everybody here does something like that this summer. But I pray most of all that nobody takes a spiritual day off, that everybody stays red hot for Jesus, connected to the Bible, connected to the house of God, connected to the people of God. And, and I, uh, I, I encourage you, amen. Alex, you want to come up and grab that guitar for me, brother? Listen, this summer, get involved in one of our lift groups. I mean, you don't have to, but you don't take my word for it, but you know, do, do some extra stuff. Get involved in a lift group. Attend some fellowship events. And you know, one thing that I was talking to Ray Bench about a while back, it's incredible to me that all the people that have bad marriages never come to the marriage events. All the people that complain about their kids every day don't come to the parenting classes. All right, I'll, I'll stop. I'll shut up. I want you guys to still love me. All the people that complain about, you know, man, nobody likes me. I don't have no friends. Well, come to some of the events. Come to the family picnics at the park. You know, be friendly. Do something. Amen. But, but uh, you know, the opportunity is there. The opportunity is there. And so there's zero need for you to be lonely, have a bad marriage, have kids that you hate and they hate you. Come. We've got options to help you through all of this. And to make you a victorious Christian. That is our mission statement. We are a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to wind it down right there. Amen. Sorry we didn't finish this thing, but maybe if you come back next week, we'll go deeper. All right. Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and stand up together this evening. Amen. And uh, listen, if you're here and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. I'm going to go ahead and uh, have my prayer team come on up tonight. 
If you're here and you have a need, if, if, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to release our faith with yours and watch God work in your life and in your situation. And uh, if not, hey, pray for those that do have a need. What did we just say? It's not all about you anyway. If you're like, I'm good, I'm going to split, I'm going to head out the door. Don't do that. That's selfish. Listen, pray for somebody else that is up here and they need a breakthrough from God in their life. Amen. I'm just going to have uh, Alex uh, play some chords for us up here tonight. Amen. Let's take a few minutes now. Go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. Amen. Did anybody receive from the word of God this evening? Hallelujah. Hopefully we lit you up a little bit and uh, challenged you and encouraged you. And we're just saying, don't be an easy target this summer. Amen. Stay connected and you can have a lot of fun, but you can get stronger in the Lord than you've ever been before. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll close in prayer. Then we're going to do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, we know that it's your desire for us to remain in you and, and for your word to remain on the inside of us. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would take this word to heart tonight. And Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word also and that we would obey what you said lord you said in john 14 15 if you love me you'll obey my commandments and so jesus the biggest way that we can prove our love to you is to obey your word help us to do that lord we love you and we praise you in the name of jesus can everybody say amen tonight
All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow this evening. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday.